I did want to talk about my neighbor. Okay. We have we have pretty good neighbors around us, and I've got one neighbor in particular who I don't believe is a listener of this show. But this, I just want to run something by you and the listeners, and I want the listeners to hear this, and I want them to, I want to know their opinion on this. Okay, I, I think you know we built uh, an ice rink in the backyard. Yes. Yeah. In a nutshell, I, I built an ice rink in my backyard by filling up a, 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 a frame, a wood frame with a liner in it. It's 20 by 16. Um, our temperatures get cold enough that it'll freeze up, and it's an ice rink. And I'll put, actually, I'll post some pictures of it in the show notes so people can see what this thing yeah, looks like. Yeah, you should. You've done a really good job with it. And especially, especially with COVID, kids don't have a place to, uh, to skate. And to have something in your backyard, it's so much more important for this year to to have that. It has been, it's met, it's exceeded my expectations in terms of how it turned out. This is, I've done this now the third year. And we, of course, when we were in Japan, we weren't building ice rinks. So for the last four years, we haven't done this. This is, this is um, the first time I've done it in about four years. So this thing's turned out quite, quite well. Anyway, um, we've been using it. My son's been out there. My daughter's been out there. We've we've been we've have a hockey net out there. We're shooting into it. And the other day, our neighbor came by, and I think I would guess she's around twenty, twenty one maybe. So she's the daughter of of the, the family next door. She came over while we were out on the ice rink and talked to my wife, and and she asked. She said, "I'm actually studying for a medical exam of some kind. I think she's trying to get into med school." I don't think she's in med school. I, I think that would be too early, but she's trying to get into med school, I think. And she came over and she said, would you mind, this was on a Wednesday, she said, would you mind not being on the rink from tomorrow at 11 a.m. till Friday at 11 a.m. because I'm going to be writing an exam. The exam is 24 hours and it is online and I need absolute silence in my house. Okay, so just to clarify here, she was asking for two two full days for you to not be on this rink? Well, she said, on Wednesday, she said, is it okay from tomorrow at 11 oh, okay. a.m. to Friday at 11 a.m.? And I'll let you know if I need it to also extend into Saturday. Mm, okay, yeah. And my, my first reaction was, oh, that's, that's bullshit. Put a pair of headphones on, go to the front of the house, do something. But I'm not don't asking me to not be on my ice rink. Like, it's not like we're on this thing eight, 18 hours a day. We're literally on it from when school ends, maybe around four until six. And then we go in for dinner and then that's it. So a couple hours a day. And we've been on it in the weekends a little bit more, like during the daytime. But we, it's not like we've been on it for eight, nine, ten hours a day. So, to me, I just felt like this is a, an unreasonable request by the neighbor. Okay. All right. I see where you're coming at. My wife's perspective on this was, oh, it's only a day. Like, just let's be nice neighbors and, and go along with it. And so, we did agree to just stay off it basically for one night but I want your thoughts on this. Is that was that a big ask by her to say, "Can you please not be on your ice rink for for twenty four hours?" Kind of, yeah, yeah. So 
my thoughts on this are I would I would agree with you on it in the sense that it's it's not a huge ask in the sense that it's really just the one day that she's asking to not be on the rink. It's not a huge sacrifice. I think if yeah. it extended into the weekend, uh, like the Saturday, then I think that would be bordering on trying to. Well, I, I think that would be a bit unreasonable to to not expect. So what would you do? If it, would you say, well, I'll, I'll get you on the first 24 hours, no problem, but sorry, I can't do it for the Saturday? I, like, I think what I would, would do that, yeah. Yeah, because I, you're right. I think for the sake of 24 hours and for the sake of, of keeping good relations with your neighbors, which obviously is very important, I, I think it's um, – you, you have a right to be a bit annoyed and to be a little irritated – um, but 24 hours is still to be considered within, quote-unquote, a reasonable request. But I think if she had come to you and said, oh, can you um, can you stay off your rink for the duration of Saturday, then I think I would then speak up and say, no, I don't think so, because mm. my kids, it's their weekend, and they have a right to be playing in their backyard. They're just being kids. And, so, and, yeah, so these neighbors... And I, would, and I would really question as to how background noises from a skating rink would influence a, a test. I, I don't know. I've never obviously written an, a, an exam or, or a test that would be that in-depth and in-detailed. But you said you got two kids playing in a, in a small rink in a backyard. It's not like you got a hockey team out there. I, I really question as to how much noise you would be generating. Well, I mean, there are the sounds of the pucks, you know and hitting the boards and and the, just the general sounds of voices i guess so I mean, we're not out there screaming and yelling yeah. um so i guess yeah go to your point about the intensity of writing something related to a medical exam it sounds kind of unique it's a 24-hour exam that they basically give you from a you know a window of time to write the exam going through the night even it sounds pretty intense you know God bless her for being capable enough to get into a med- medical school, which she probably, I mean, I think she's a very good student, but my whole thing was, is this reasonable? And I, I, I'm, I'm inclined to agree with you definitely for the keep the peace sake, 24 hours was not unreasonable, but it had she come over and said, yeah, I'm going to need it to, if you could just stay off it again until sa- Sunday morning or something, then that would have been completely unreasonable Uh, yeah yeah i think at that point if you would be certainly within your it would be justifiable if you're to say no i don't think i can meet you on the on comply with your request for the saturday because yeah it's it's your backyard you don't owe her anything it is your right to use your backyard in any way possible as long as you're as, well, as, well, as yeah. long as you're not creating any kind of disturbances or noise complaints or having a huge party back there, but something as innocent as a bunch of Canadian kids shooting the puck around in the backyard, I think I don't see anything wrong with that. You should be entitled to well, do that. It got me thinking. It got me thinking because they have a pool, of which they're never <laughs> in it. One of those families that build pools and then they're never in the pool, yeah. which in in a way is actually a blessing because I don't know about you, but I've lived next door to people with pools and kids and it can sometimes be pretty, pretty noisy. Um, but I was imagining what if this was a Thursday during the summer 
and she was planning to have be in her pool or her family were going to be in the pool and I had some sort of exam, would it be reasonable for me to go over there and say, actually, could you stay out of your pool from Thursday morning at this time to Friday at this time? Okay, so it's interesting you mentioned about the swimming pool. If that was in my position, I don't think I would. Again, it well, would what? ask my neighbors to stay out of their pool. Because first of all, yes, I realize a bunch of kids in, in a swimming pool can be a bit noisy. But I, I really do think that would be a, a little bit unreasonable. And especially with today's technology where you have noise-canceling headphones, um, you know, there, there's lots of different means to be able to, you know, conduct a business meeting, c- conduct a podcast, and t- to yeah. not have that kind of noise in, in the background. It's not like you're you're recording a podcast out in your backyard and you got the the noise of the pool next door that's that, that's one thing in itself but if you are down in your basement or in your home office i would question as to exactly how loud noises from a pool or a skating rink could possibly be that it would affect mm-hmm. your performance or your concentration when writing an exam or or holding a meeting or or whatever it might be right well and I think there's you, sometimes you have to just take responsibility for, for things and find a way to make it work, you know, like noise canceling headphones or go to the front of the house or go to the basement at the front or whatever. Now, we do need to, of course, factor in that this is COVID-19 times and that in a normal situation, perhaps this exam would have been taken in a a school somewhere in a quiet room or the person could go to go somewhere they knew or know that they were going to get absolute silence. So there is that factor and, and that's not an option for her to do that. So I get that piece. Um, but um, I guess there's other examples I'm sure of things that neighbors, you know, I don't want to belabor this too much, but I'll share one more thing that this neighbor also asked us to do of which we can, you can give me your opinion on. So they have some, they have this pool and there's trees, our tree branches uh, hang over their fence. And so the neighbor asked me if we would mind trimming those trees back. First of all, is that a reasonable ask? Okay. So the tree is on your side of the property then, but if, if the branches are overhanging their side of the property, then I would think it would be their responsibility to get those branches trimmed. In fairness, he did offer to pay for it. All right. Then, yeah, I think that's a reasonable request. Yeah. Okay. So that was request number one. Request number two was we had it done. And then he came over and he said, yeah, it's still not quite trimmed back to the level that we would like. Um, in fact, he had said he would actually climb up onto his roof and trim them himself. And if you look at what that would entail, it, for it not to end up in becoming a paraplegic, um, I would be shocked mm-hmm. because the angle of the roof and him and the tree and whatever he would be doing to try to cut the tree absolute 100% this guy would be a paraplegic after he'd finished trying to do this. Yeah. 
stupid. Because he would fall off the roof. It's it's all pavement down there. There's a fence. I could totally see this guy snapping his head off the fence. And and next thing you know, there's three ambulances outside. <laughs> so you had a tree, like an arborist come in, and they trimmed back the tree, and he wasn't satisfied with what they did? Correct. So I told him I would check with the tree people. Sounds funny, huh? Tree people. Yeah, tree people. And I and the guy came out to because we had to get a stump removed on another tree we had to have to cut down, and I just said, "Hey, look, look, is there?" The neighbor was asking about this tree. Could it be trimmed back some more? And he looked at it. He said, "He said the perfect thing that I was able to then use, which was, we cannot stress put this tree into any more stress than we've already put under." And I said, "That's all I needed to hear." Yeah. Yeah, defer to the experts. So if this guy wants to be an ass and climb on his roof and risk his life and keep cutting down that tree, then that's on him. But hey, you've uh, d- defer to the tree experts. The tree people know best, right? We're moving into something else. Uh, I was going to stay off the grumpy old man thing, but I do need to uh, let you know that we actually have we've gotten into some trouble, Paul. Okay. What's happened? Well, for those of those listeners who've recognized over the last few episodes that we have an official sponsor, Pace Painting. You're familiar with Pace Painting? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, our first sponsor joined us, I think, three episodes ago. They provide the coffee for our, our podcast. Um, it's come to my attention, Paul, that um, you may have entered into a, a renovation in your home, Um and or have finalized something regarding a renovation. And my understanding is that Pace Painting is not involved in that contract. Ah, oh, geez. You're exposing me on uh, national television, maybe? <laughs> well, national podcasting. Anyway, international podcasting. International podcast, yeah. So, um, yeah, we've been yeah, called out. Okay, the sponsor so, is on so, my case about this. So and, you, uh, you've, you've put me on the hot seat here. Yeah, um, deliberately. No, I, I have full confidence in Pace Painting, and I, and I have used Peter for projects in the past, and I will do so in the future. Um, in this particular case, we're getting some interior work done, uh, some additional projects, and yes. the contractor that we had come in, we're able to get uh, a good price based on sort of like an all-encompassing um, you know, detail of, of projects that would include painting, some wainscoting. Uh, you know, some cabinetry that we're getting installed. So mm-hmm. it's sort of a an all-in-one price. That I see. was kind of hard to say no to. Uh, right. But no, I, I, as I said, I have used uh, paste painting in the past uh, for uh, exterior painting on, for my house. Uh, he did a magnificent job. Prices are good. I, yep. I will definitely go back to him because I there's always lots of painting to do. The, you never run out of painting jobs. Yeah, don't get us into trouble with our sponsor. I mean, who, yeah. what's the next people that come along, then, you know, we can't have similar issues like this. So um, on behalf of, of We Talked About This, we apologize to our sponsor that one of our chief hosts has gone a different <laughs> route, but it is not a reflection on the quality of work that you do. And I will speak on behalf of the co-host that he promises never, ever to (laughs) engage in this sort of oversight ever again. Okay, we wanted to talk about 
inheritances. Our parents are getting older. Um, you've you have unfortunately lost one parent um, a couple of years ago, and hey, we're at that age now where my parents are pushing into their late seventies now, and occasionally the. Well, I know what it was, is that uh, we're just doing some financial planning right now. And in the financial planning questionnaire, among many other questions such as, you know, when do you want to retire and uh, what sort of investments do you already have and what's your, your level of tolerance for investing, losing money, gaining money, you know, risk and all that stuff. One of the questions in there is, as as you're assessing all the different things is expected inheritances. And I thought, is that, what is that exactly? Is that, is that reasonable to, for somebody to actually expect an inheritance? And secondly, should we expect that it's divided equally among our siblings if we have siblings? So, you had you had said this was something you were also interested in. What about inheritances is on your mind right now? There's so many different angles that you can look at this. When you say that should we expect to receive an inheritance, the answer would be no. I don't think we should ever expect to receive the money. Many people do expect it. Oh, oh yeah, I know they do. But at the end of the day, it is our parents' money. And they are free to do whatever they feel like doing with their money. Yes. Um, are they? they f- are they? Yeah. Why? Yes. Why, why should they? Why is there an obligation that you necessarily have to give your money to your children? So, for example, if you're involved in like a philanthropic organization or if you want to um, sponsor uh, people or an organization that you feel truly needs the money, then that should be within your right to provide that money to or allocate that money to whoever you want to receive it. And I guess the same would also apply to children in the sense that if you have multiple kids, should each child receive an equal portion Mm -hmm. or would you allocate it based on, you know, children that perhaps need it the most or have been the most um, useful or helpful or, or the most loving to their parents. So, for example, if you if you have an estranged son that wants to have nothing to do with the parent, but let's say the other son cares for the, cares for the elderly parent and has provided, uh, you know, support and... Um, Know, financial assistance or whatever, whatever it might be, if, if, that, if that individual has been very actively involved in the care for that, in, for that parent, should, the, should that child receive more money based on, on what they've done? Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's a really tricky question and there's really no right or wrong, there's really no right or wrong answer on this. Um, but when you say that should people expect to receive inheritance, and that's that's a big depends. It, it all depends on on how much they truly need that money. Does it? Well, okay, where I'm going with this is the fact that when we're looking at, and, and this is very sort of specific to Toronto, 
real estate prices are going through the roof. Yeah. Um, and I, I've had many conversations with my wife about the fact that our children, like they're, they're the next generation, are going to have a really tough time being able to purchase a house. The fact that a regular home in Toronto typically goes for about a million dollars and then some, that's almost mm-hmm. like your starting price. Yeah. Uh, how can how can the next generation of, of, of people afford a house at a million dollar starting price right off the gate? So in many ways, and I, and I know this is, is very typical, especially within the city of Toronto, is that you know, a lot of people I, I know uh, are have the specific intent or idea that they would bequeath their house to their kids so that their kids have an opportunity to have house ownership within the city because uh, it would be next to impossible for them to be able to afford a house, you know, as I said, well in excess of a million dollars. So it, it's, I, I view it in the sense it's an opportunity that it it would give your children um, a, a great, um, I guess, a, a, a foot up or, okay, but or a, helping, a, a helping hand. Okay, if you're how old it. now? How old are if you? If they need it. I'm 40, 44. 44. I'm 48. Yeah. So my parents, when they pass away, I, I God, God only hopes that I'll be, you know, much older than I am right now, mm-hmm. well beyond the time that I would be purchasing a house. So... Well, that's the thing. Like, we... We were lucky enough that we were able to purchase homes in our late 20s, early 30s, and our homes have appreciated in value so much. I think when we fast forward, and, and you know, I don't have a crystal ball. I don't know for sure. However, my prediction is that the, the next generation of people, you know, our kids are going to have a much tougher time being able to purchase a house. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but if I think the support you're going to require there that they're going to require is going to have to happen well before inheritance time. Mm, that's true. You know, it might be grand grandkids more than than kids. Yeah. But then again, do I want my parents shaving off some of their inheritance to give to my kids to put toward ha- a house? I guess mm. it's their right. Going back to what you said, it's well, their right to use that, the money the any way they want. But I'll, there's another yeah. point too. My kids are my kids, and how they are influenced, how they grow up, how they are supported is not necessarily up to my parents. So if my mm-hmm. parents decided to give them money when the, when, I, when they pass away, do do I have a right to say, no, Johnny doesn't get $100,000 or 50000 or ten or whatever it is or $500? No, they don't get that because I don't want them having a leg up they need to figure out how to survive mm. on their own. Yeah, and as I said, there's a lot of different angles that you can go with this in that, okay, one, one point I'm going to make here is that I think if, if kids are are already, I wouldn't say, well, comfortable or, or, or self-sufficient or, or have their own wealth, then one shouldn't expect to have an inheritance. So, for example, my brother and I both do quite well for ourselves. Um, you know, we leave, we're very comfortable. We own our own homes. I, I would not expect to receive an inheritance from my mother in the sense that if she provides me with inheritance, that's great. It's, it's very lovely that she would want to do that, but I would never expect to have that money. I would never say, oh, it's my right to receive that money because quite frankly, I don't necessarily 
need that money to improve my quality of life. If I was someone that was, you know, down and out a little bit on, and had some bad luck, then obviously an inheritance would be a good gesture to, to help someone that, that truly needs a helping hand. Um, but yeah, as I said, there, there's so many different areas that you can look at this. And I, I want to, there's a, a really awesome quote by Warren Buffett. And we all know who, who Warren Buffett is. Uh, and interestingly enough, Warren Buffett, I should add, as of 2018, he was it has a net worth of $86 billion. So this man has a lot of money. Yeah. Warren Buffett's quote, when asked about leaving his immense wealth, inheritance to his own children, uh, his quote was, he wants to give enough money so that they would enough money so that they would feel they could do anything, but not so much that they could do nothing. Mm. Think about that. That's a great, great quote. In the sense like that, that if if someone, especially someone like Warren Buffett, who's worth an immense amount of money, yeah, and who will be giving and, at and, least half of it to the Gates Foundation, I believe. Yeah. Well, apparently he says uh, he will leave ninety nine percent of his wealth to philanthropic causes. Wow. Uh, it should be noted that I think his children are actually independently wealthy themselves. Right. Um, they, they are self-sufficient. It's not like his, his kids need that money. But, okay, $86 billion is, is a little bit to the extreme there. But let's say <laughs> if you had an inheritance of like $2 million, um, inheriting that amount of money could be a detriment to some people. Yes. Uh, so There was a guy, should- um, Brett... There's a show called Dragon's Den. I believe one of the people on that show, the Canadian version anyway, was uh, he said something like, "If you if you want to see a form of child abuse, go give your kids five million dollars." Mm. Very similar to Buffett, that giving them that money could imply they now need to do nothing, and that the ramifications of giving kids that capability is actually bad and and abusive to them. And a lot depends on the individual as well. We know some people that if they were to receive $5 million, that that money would be spent within within a year. (laughs) I would like to think that if I inherited $5 million, I'd be pretty responsible. And sure, you would allow you to enjoy some luxuries and travel the world, that type of thing. But I would still be very smart with the money and I wouldn't blow it away. So, yeah, a lot depends on the individual, the the circumstance that they're in. But, yeah, that that is a tricky one because uh, I was also reading in that over the next 10 years that um, the millennial generation, I'm assuming that would be us. Are we millennials? No, we're not. We're, we're older. Okay. Well, it we're, said something millennials are, I think, oh, someone listening is going to know it, but. Maybe I'll look it up. 1980, uh, born, people born after 82 or something oh, like that. okay. All right. So, we're a little bit older than millennials. So, millenni- mi- sorry, millennials would be probably around turning just in their 40s. Anyway, the, the point of this was that I was reading an article saying that millennials... Uh, just so you know, I got it here. Born, millennials were born between 81 and 94 slash 96. Okay. So, people that are... are About 10 years older uh, than us or younger than yeah. us. Yeah, so late 30s. So this this generation is set to receive $68 trillion in inheritance by the year 2030. Is this It'll global? The, globally? I would, or? I would think it would have to be global. 
How much was it again? $68 trillion. Wow. So in terms of inheritance, it's the, the largest transfer of wealth in history. And the, sorry, the I missed it. What year, what, what year did they say that that would be applicable for? By 2030. 2030. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because when you think about it, you know, it's within, it's only recent generations that have been able to accumulate wealth. Uh, my grandparents' generation, so people that were born in like the 19-teens, for example, um, that generation didn't have as much wealth. It's, I would say our parents' generation is really the first generation that was able to accumulate wealth in the sense that uh, during our parents' generation, that's when RRSPs came out, um, like retirement uh, savings. Um, there was more options with respect to, to better pensions. There was more an awareness to savings. So I think our parents' generation is was the first generation that accumulated any wealth of anything. At least here in, in North America. Uh, yeah, and, and yes, I should point out that this is very much um, a, a North American uh, perspective. But right. yeah, if our parents' generation was the first generation that accumulated any form of significant wealth, then our generation, you and I, are probably will have even more wealth that we can then um, provide inheritance to our children. Yeah. Um, but as I said, we don't know what the future is going to hold. And with everything going on with COVID, we don't know what the lasting effects are going to be on the economy. Um, we don't have a crystal ball. If we did, we'd be millionaires ourselves. So I don't know what futures and hold for for the, the next generation of kids in the sense that they might actually need that inheritance. Um you know, yeah, but I, if you're I, depending on it, like if you need it slash depend on it, what does that do? And then you're right, it can go in a million different directions. Like my thinking is, are you entitled to inheritance? No, I don't think you are. So no, I shouldn't expect one. It's kind of like a bonus at work. We don't expect mm-hmm. a bonus. But well, there is a lot of tricky parts to this. I want to throw in one more element before we go and to, before we move on. That is, does in your case, where the money goes, if it's not going to go to you, does where it goes matter to you? If it, if your parent mother decides I'm going to leave money to the um, the horticulture society of Whitby or the Cat Foundation, Rescue Cat Foundation of Newcastle or whatever, um, or even something maybe you might see as frivolous, like the 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 bunnykin collectibles uh foundation the bunnykins are those little dishes that people give to babies i'm just trying to come up with something a little bit bizarre Mm. you know something you deem as frivolous in your mind is that does that matter well i will i will say it depends um obviously it is her right to allocate her money wherever she wants I think as long as that money isn't allocated to something where she potentially could have been swindled or influenced by someone. So, for example, if she said, oh, I'm donating all of my money to my friend Joe or something like that. It would be like, okay, who the hell is Joe? Right. You know, some old guy that, you know, came up with some kind of a scheme or Mm. or something to kind of, uh, you know, 
you know, hornswoggle a bunch of old people to to donate their money because yeah. you, you hear about that all the time with all the the, course, yeah. the various scams that target elderly people. I think as long as the allocation of her wealth is reasonable and expected, then who am I to argue with that? That right. is her wishes, and as long as she made that decision of of clear mind, and it wasn't under the influence of anything, or or she wasn't coerced, then you have to you have to respect the decisions that they make. One area that I've seen this become an issue is where mom or dad. You know, the other person's, uh, the spouse passes away and then mom or dad meets somebody. Yes. Yeah. And, and that's sort of what I was implying with that comment is that if they, if mom now has a boyfriend and this boyfriend somehow comes into the picture and, and inherits a substantial amount of money, mm-hmm. then yeah, that's when you see a lot of family disputes come up. Yeah. Absolutely. We had a situation like that in our family. I'm not sure how it ended up panning out. I never heard the whole story. I only heard that there was some a relative of ours who had a who was quite elderly and they their spouse passed away and um the family was concerned, you know, that uh this person's been with their father in this case for you know, 7 8 months and uh if they pass away, like are they going to end up bequeathing their inher- all the money from their estate to this boyfriend or girlfriend of six months. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it, it is a tr- prickly topic for sure. Nothing yeah. really funny about this. Uh, and it's, it's, it's been the subject of many movies as well, and it can certainly bring out the, the worst in people. I'll just leave you with an interesting stat, one, one last stat I just yeah. wanted to throw out here, is that apparently 49% of people believe an inheritance will partly or completely fund their retirement. That's another sobering mm. thought right there, in that people truly do depend and expect to receive an inheritance and rely on that inheritance to play a large role in their own retirement. Ooh, that's not good. Yeah, they used to say you shouldn't depend on your primary residence to be a source of retirement income. But yeah, inheritances. Absolutely, I could see people banking on it and being sorely mistaken and disappointed. This episode is brought to you by Pace Painting. Pace Painting, serving all your painting needs, whether commercial or residential. Reach Pace Painting at paintwithpace at gmail.com or via their Facebook page, Pace Painting, Inc. Or call Peter at 289 356 77 Four four, paint with pace. What we're watching, we've added this segment at least for the for the for now, the time being that uh, we want to share what we're watching these days. And uh, what are you watching, Paul? Well, I'm watching a really great show. It's called Yellowstone, and the show has been out for a little while. It's actually uh, well, there's three seasons, so it's been out, I believe, since 2018 or 2019. Uh, and there's a fourth season on the way, uh, but it stars Kevin Costner, and he's uh, how can I describe it? It's I, I don't want to give too much away here, but it's basically about Kevin Costner uh, owns and operates a, a ranch in Montana, and there's various external factors that 
uh, jeopardize the future of his ranch. It's a lot more to it than that, and you'd have to watch it to understand. But it's it's a really great storyline, uh, incredible acting. Uh, Kevin Costner, as I said, is is the main lead in this, and he's he's a fabulous actor. I, I love watching him, um, and this role really suits him as well. Uh, he, it's like he was he was meant to play this role. Yeah, I was going to um, say anything on a Montana ranch would be a good fit for Kevin Costner. Yeah, where yeah. do you find this? Is it on Netflix or Amazon or where do you find it? Uh, it is on Amazon Prime, so that's where you find it. Uh, the show itself, I believe, is on the Paramount Network. So I think when season four comes out this summer, I think initially it'll probably be shown on, on Paramount Network. Um, but yeah, eventually all episodes do make their way onto Amazon Prime. So uh, my wife and I, we picked up the show, started watching it maybe about a month ago on recommendation from from uh, friends of ours. And it's one of those shows, I've seen it advertised many times and it's always kind of caught my interest, uh, but I, I never really got around to starting to watch it. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm really glad I, I did. This is a, an excellent show. I just finished season one and uh, can't wait to keep going. And what's it called again? Yellowstone. Yellowstone. Yes. Okay. Never heard of it, actually. Well, check it out. I think you'd really like it. I will. Well, for me, my what I'm watching right now is a, a second viewing of a series that I've already seen. I believe there's three seasons and a fourth that is on its way, but was delayed by the COVID-19 situation. And that is Fargo, the TV series. Um, Coen Brothers, as many will know, made a movie called Fargo back in the early 90s, I think it was. It's about um, the happenings in a in a town called Fargo, which is North Dakota. And actually, North Dakotans remind me a lot of Canadians in a way, um, especially Northern Ontario, the way they talk and, and some of the, the mannerisms and things. But Fargo, the TV series... It's uh, three seasons now, and each season is a different set of actors, that, uh, and they take a different time period. So for the first season, it's 2006, and Billy Bob Thornton is in the first season, which some you either like or hate Billy Bob Thornton, I find, with people, but he's very dark, as is the Coen brothers. Anything they do is usually very dark. Um, it's... It's a bit depressing in that it's uh, it, it's it's dark and gloomy, but it's there's a black comedy for sure in it that it does make you laugh at times. That it's just so preposterous some of the things that these these guys do and get involved in. But I highly recommend it. Fargo, if you're a Coen Brothers fan, this series does not disappoint. Once I'm done Yellowstone, maybe I'll, I'll check that one out. And what um, where where do we find it? Uh, it's on Netflix. Oh, it is. Okay, good. Yeah, Netflix Canada right, anyway. Good. So I know Netflix can vary depending on what region you're in, but it is on Netflix Canada. Okay, let's finish off with weird news. And this weird news comes from from our country here and, and our, actually our province of Ontario and in a, a city of Windsor, the city of Windsor, which is not too far from us, a couple hours down the road. Ontario man breaks Guinness record for opening cans with mouth. Now that's talent. <laughs> an, an Ontario man broke a Guinness World Record, but not any teeth, when he used his jaws to bite open 24 full beverage cans in one minute. These are beer cans? Yes. <laughs> yeah. All right. Guinness, cans of Guinness. Oh, oh, wait a sec. Huh. 
when I first read it, I thought it was cans of Guinness, but no, it's, it's I think it's actually cans of pop or cans of soda here. Um, it says here, Chuck Mady, 32, a mixed martial arts fighter from Windsor, was recorded on video using his powerful jaws to rip the tops off the cans, causing soda to spray all over him and the surrounding area. Well, that's one way of getting in the Guinness Book of World Records. <laughs> yeah, he said he was influenced by watching Guinness World Records gone wild on TV. He said there was a guy, Ryan Stock, who was doing it. His record was 11 cans in one minute, and was he was like, I can do that. And Guinness confirmed Mady set the record at 24 cans. So he said the most important part of his technique is making sure he doesn't cut his mouth on the torn aluminum. So this guy actually isn't biting the tab off. He's biting the top of the can off. Wow. That can't be good for your teeth. <laughs> you gotta, how can he do that without not chipping teeth or super something dangerous, like that? That, Super dangerous. He says super here... Dangerous. My teeth are tough, Mady said. It doesn't hurt. Mady said he is now considering beating his own record. I know I could do another five more, maybe ten more, he said. Yeah, very unusual. Hey, he'd be a useful guy to have around if you didn't have a, a bottle opener or something. <laughs> I did hear the expression the other day, and I'm probably going to get it wrong. It said, as tough as Canadian teeth. Really? Okay. So. I didn't think my teeth were that tough, but okay, maybe they are. Either way, I'm not about to uh, bite off any tops of beer cans, so that that will not be my Saturday night, believe me. Yeah, it is amazing what influences people to try to break records. I mean, we talked about the hot dog eating contests and the different things people do to their bodies. Uh, it just, I, it's beyond me what, what inspires people to do these things. All right, we got to run. Stuff to do. So good chatting and uh, look forward to next time.